One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. James, good morning to you. Good morning, Andrew. Uh, happy birthday to ha- the Arscast Extra. Yes. Happy 10th anniversary to the Arscast Extra, which was 10 years ago to the day yesterday. The 27th of January was the very, very first Arscast Extra. How well do you remember recording that, if at all? <laughs> not not well at all. All right. Uh, no, no. Okay, well, here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play the first minute of the uh, the very first Arsecast Extra. It doesn't have the music. It's just the bit that we recorded. So this is what the first Arsecast Extra sounded like. Hello there, and welcome to the very first Arsecast Extra with me and co-host James from Gunnerblog. Hello. Hello there. We should point out that this indeed is an Arscast Extra and not an Arscast Extra for uh, copyright reasons. It's important to put that out there. Legal threats all over the place. Uh, This uh, is an idea that has come to us very recently, so it's not the most organised podcast you'll ever hear, but over the coming weeks, hopefully it will take shape. What we're going to do is do this every Monday, look at what happened over the weekend, perhaps look ahead to what's happening during the week, and take questions from readers and uh, listeners on Twitter. And we'll do that. Um, So, you know, we should have plenty to talk about today. Starting with Coventry in the FA Cup. Relatively routine, you would say, but uh, they had some moments in the second half. Yeah, they did. And I think, uh, you know, we saw what an Arsenal midfield without one of... Mikel Arteta or Mathieu Flamini looks like, you know, Mm. uh, because they were really getting at us, particularly on the flanks, I thought. Um, So... (laughs) Wow. I mean, Coventry, even the name of Coventry as an opponent really took me back there. Um, But to be fair, Andrew, you know, we we had a clear concept. (laughs) Yes. And we did stuck pretty uh, religiously to that format. That's true. Um... Uh, I, I like how we say it's, you know, we, we've just started, so it's not very organised. And here we are a decade in, 
and we're still not very organised. Uh, yeah, I love the idea that now, you know, we're super professional about this. You know, we, we, I mean, you take some notes now, I suppose, so that is a little bit of a step forward. But, you know, the idea that a huge amount of preparation goes into the making of every podcast is is not quite true. There is an element or a very large element of just sort of making it up as you go along. But as we go through this particular episode, um, I think it's also fair to say that you know, we have we have dedicated time and effort uh, to making this show as fun as we can possibly make it for the listeners, but also for ourselves. Um, you know, sure. there's been what, quite what a lot of nonsense. If any, if any prep time has gone in, it's pr- been principally in jingles. <laughs> jingles, songs, nonsense, stupid skits and sketches and things like that. Yes, uh, that's where we're, we're prepared to, uh, to invest our time. And we, um, we asked our Discord members to, to pick out some bits and pieces from the podcast uh, over the years that they would like to hear again. We've found some of them, some funny bits, some, um, some emotional bits, some touching bits and we'll play those uh, throughout the show. But uh, as we get on, you are, uh, as we speak, in in Florida. I am. That's how much things have changed Mm. over the last 10 years. Now I'm in Florida. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This is where I'll be going forward. No, I'm here uh, for a few days working, Mm. he says. I I did a little inverted commas around that word. Um, I managed basically in what seems like sort of the ultimate blag for uh, a pro wrestling fan like myself, I managed to convince The Athletic about a feature idea that involved me having to be present at the Royal Rumble in St. Petersburg, Florida last night. Okay, so for... Uh, to my, yeah, go on. To my enormous surprise, <laughs> they went for it. So to the uninitiated, to the non-wrestling fan mm-hmm. like me, what is a, a Royal Rumble beyond, you know... Princess Anne getting annoyed at Prince Andrew at the you know Christmas dinner table and throwing a bucket of gravy at him. What what is it? Well, she'd have her reasons, to be honest. It's true, but uh, allegedly, <laughs> but um, <laughs> a Royal Rumble is it's probably like the second sort of most prestigious uh, event in in uh, WWE in wrestling, and the the format of a Royal Rumble match is essentially that every we start with two wrestlers in the ring and every two minutes for an hour. So 30 wrestlers come out and join the melee. Um, so every two minutes you get a countdown, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. I mean, you guys can count backwards. You can imagine. <laughs> and uh, and somebody comes out and it's not declared beforehand right. who's entered and when they're going to come out. So you always get a few surprises and, um, the, the way you win is uh, conventionally you have to win by a pinfall or a submission. But the way you win a Royal Rumble is by chucking your opponents over the top rope and out of the ring. So it's a last man so, standing kind of vibe. Last man standing. You know, you, you, you always have great narratives through it. A guy who he came in at number one and somehow went all the way or, <laughs> you know, number 30 someone no one was expecting comes out and turns everything on its head. Uh, It's a lot of fun and it's a a great event to see live. It transpires. I I never had, probably never thought I would if you told me as a kid that one day I'd be Mm. here doing that uh, and be able to call it adjacent to my job. I would have been over the moon. So, yeah, it was very, very fun indeed. And I've just been here for a few days 
um, doing some football bits as well. But uh, it's been really, really enjoyable. And uh, yeah, I've had a great time. All right. All right. Uh, yeah. Who knew, like, when you got a job writing about Arsenal for The Athletic, you'd end up going, you know, wrestling and being in Florida and all that. It's it's kind of yeah. mad. I'm a very persuasive guy, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just, you know, we've been doing a podcast for 10 years, Andrew. I've developed the gift of the gab. And I managed to talk myself into this gig. Which, yeah. uh, now, now the problem is I've now got to produce a feature Worthy. that is uh, yeah. good enough to justify the expense. Um, if everyone listening, when it comes out, could uh, subscribe <laughs> to The Athletic, <laughs> uh, that may prevent my bosses from going, what did we just do, actually? Yes. Um, but get, get, get one so of those codes. that's not too much to ask, know? is it? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Get one of those voucher codes. It'd be fine, you know, uh, We had a little question here on the Discord from Freddie LJ, uh, you know, speaking about being surprised about where things go and where things take you. He said, in the 10 years of the Arsecast Extra, we've experienced cup wins, pandemics, childbirths, weddings, many catchphrases, etc. What's the most unexpected thing to come out of the Arsecast Extra for you guys? The shows? Being ripped off by a tiny American? I can't remember what that is. Can you? Fascination with magpies or the, the would you rather questions? So what's the most, I don't know what being ripped off by a tiny American is. Is it Elliot? <laughs> is it bad that I said is it Elliot? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That was don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> uh, he won't mind. I know, I know. <laughs> he is small. Uh, listen, for, for American scale... This country is so big, it freaks me out how how big everything is, how far away everything is. I rented a car out here from Alamo, shout out Alamo, and the cheapest car that I could rent mm-hmm. was like a sports car, uh, a Mustang I'm driving out here. <laughs> and I don't know why it's so cheap. I think it can only be because Americans value cars based on their height, primarily. Right. Um, it, you know, when I am driving along the highway or whatever, next to all these big trucks, I do feel quite small and uh, inadequate. But every, everything's big here. Yeah. I mean, not an original point, but it is pretty striking. Well, you're a big guy. You should fit in. That's true. Well, I don't fit into a Mustang, that's for sure. Well, how, t- well, how small is the Mustang? I thought a Mustang was a, like quite a cool kind of car, No. It is cool, but I think it's it's made for a smaller man than I. Ah, you uh, like I've got my knees up round my uh, shoulders. You're like the the guy in The Simpsons. Are you laughing yeah. at my motor car? That one. <laughs> well, I am that guy. Yeah, okay. um, I, I don't know. Apologies to Elliot if it's a different American. I can't think who it might be. But he hasn't ripped us off. He's innovative. If anything, exactly. he's taking it a long way forward. They are they're pretty organised. Those yeah. guys. Instant reactions and all the rest. My goodness. Yeah, come on. That's commitment. Uh, that is commitment. Um, but what was the most unexpected thing? Um, I think probably the success of it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think you don't get into something anticipating that uh, it will reach as many people mm. as this has. You know, and, and, yeah. I, and I think particularly sort of internationally. Um, yeah, I just did not foresee it having quite the reach that it has done. Yeah. What about you? 
I think discovering that Ian Wright was a regular listener was really unexpected. Um, True. During the during the ten years, something like that is just like, hang on, what, what? And of course, you know, yeah. why wouldn't somebody who loves Arsenal be interested in listening to Arsenal podcasts and and things like that? So, it just sort of still takes you aback a little bit, doesn't it? When um, when something like that happens, so that and like you say, just the 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 places we've gone and the people we've met and um, you know all built on on the uh, the success of the show and the popularity of the show is just um, it's just unbelievable. We have had some moments though, James, down the years. You know, some some significant differences of opinion, if mm. you remember. And I think the first one that really captured the imagination of the uh, the listenership was Butter and Jamgate, which comes yeah. from episode 90. Uh, so I'm going to play a little clip from Butter and Jamgate, and uh, we'll come back after this. I met someone recently who said they didn't like toast. What kind of monster was this? I Honestly, I didn't know what to say. I was like, do you like bread? They were like, yeah. And I was like, so what hap- what, what is, what's going on here? I was like, do you like hot bread? Like, if I put some bread in the microwave for you, hot floppy bread, <laughs> how would you feel about that? And they were like, well, I'm not sure. And I was like, but toast is definitely out. They were like, yeah, no toast for me. Well, um, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't understand. I was astonished. Yeah. I, 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 honestly, I didn't know. I, had, I was like, I'm not sure we could be friends. Mm. I, I think that's reasonable. I don't, I don't really understand that in the slightest. Toast is great. But let me ask you the, the important question here. When it comes to toast, butter... Yeah, toast and butter is good. Yeah, I'm on board with you so far. But if you add a conserve of some kind, strawberry jam or marmalade, okay, do you put that over the butter or do you just use the marmalade or the jam on dry toast? I put it, I feel like this is a really big moment for mm. the podcast. Yeah. I feel like it could all go wrong. I put it over the butter. <gasps> God, you're disgusting. Oh this is the end of the podcast. That's it. So you, you put it straight on? Straight on, yeah. No butter. Butter on toast is great. But if you're having jam or marmalade, goes on dry toast. Don't need the butter. Makes it kind of, I don't know. No, I don't Hang like on, it. Though. I don't like it. Well, I, there are some, if I have peanut butter, I won't have butter as well. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a madman. That's I, two types of butter. You would put peanut butter on buttered toast. No, 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 no. I'm saying if I had peanut butter, I wouldn't use butter. Right. What about Marmite? Do you ever eat Marmite? No, but I do sometimes um, eat Bovril on toast. With no butter? Just With no on. butter, just straight on, yeah. Yeah, it's meaty and delicious and crunchy. Guys, I think, get in touch, because I don't know who's right and who's wrong here. I mean, someone definitely is. I was going to say, there is no right and wrong. Bullshit. Yeah. There is. Just, we need to fight. We need to fight and decide this. Yeah, the toast etiquette, the toast etiquette, if you like. In the end, I think it was pretty clear that that I was the, I was the loser in this. I was the outsider. We, I seem to recall we had a, a avalanche of correspondence. We did. Effect. We did. Most uh, people will put their jam on top of butter, whereas I just, you know, I'm still a. A jam on dry toast kind of a guy. That's just, it's just who I am, you know, leopards and spots sure. and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, I remember a funny bit from this was that we, um, we did get a delivery of jam each. Do you remember? 
Was it from Hartley's Jam? Hartley's, that's who it was, yeah. I never forget someone who gives me a load of free jam. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a lot of jam. I remember thinking, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through all this. Um, and yeah, I did. You did, so, all of it. That was a big surprise, how much jam I'm actually capable capable of eating. When it's uh, there. Just spooning yeah. it out the jar. <laughs> <laughs> just lashing it in there. Yeah. Um, a bit of butter on the spoon as well. You know, oh, stick to my principles. Right, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, you know, I'm happy to, I'm happy to accept that I'm, you know, in the minority here. And, um, I don't mean to say that that makes me cooler than everyone else, but you know, just throwing that out there. You've, you've grown, you've mellowed, Andrew, I suppose, <laughs> over this decade, you know, you're less entrenched in your beliefs and your positions. Maybe but, so. But you know, that could have derailed everything. Just 90 episodes in. I know. Uh, I know incredible that we that we managed to get beyond that point really it was uh, yeah it was seismic but you know we've we've soldiered on through to uh, to still be here with you after all this time let's talk a little about what is going on in the world of football just at the moment because while there's not a lot happening in terms of of arsenal news because you know we haven't been involved in the fa cup there was a huge story during the week of course with jürgen klopp announcing that he's going to be leaving liverpool at the end of the season, which is you know very much a bolt from the blue. He did sign a new contract. He was expected to stay until was it twenty twenty six, I think. Um, but announced that that he's going. I mean, what was your what was your initial reaction? What was your first reaction when you saw that news? Well, obviously, uh, there was a bit of shock there, just because it it is pretty seismic news in Premier League terms. You know the the kind of clock. Guardiola duopoly has felt like it's been in place for some time. And I think in my head, for whatever reason, I always kind of found cause to believe it might be Pep who left first. Mm. Um, I could think of 115 reasons that might happen. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, yeah, I always sort of thought, you know, he, he's got that mm, facet of his character where you could envisage him just one day saying, actually, I'm off, you know. Yeah. I think he's spoken about not wanting to coach forever uh, in the long, long term. So I think I was kind of more prepped for that. My reaction to it is one of quite considerable respect, actually. I think there's a lot about managing a football club uh, and particularly managing one successfully in a big club like Liverpool that is quite... Uh, addictive. I, I don't mean to sort of use that word lightly, but there's enormous power and pull and adrenaline and lots of things like that attached to it. And I think it can be very difficult to have the self-awareness mm. to relinquish that. Uh, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to read between the lines. And uh, and surmise that I'm talking partly about Arsene Wenger in that respect, you know, who I think really struggled with that battle. And I think for Klopp to recognise that this is maybe what he needs to do, maybe what his family need him to do. Um, yeah, I, I really, really do respect that. And I sort of think fair play to him for it. Yeah. I thought his comments about being exhausted or not having the energy anymore were, were just so fascinating, especially in the context of what he has been 
I don't mean just him, obviously, but what he has been trying to compete with with this Liverpool team for for so many years, right? Mm. It must be absolutely exhausting to have to go season after season to try and beat a Manchester City team who, you know, I think everybody understands are extremely well run, great executives. They've put in place in a, an incredible strategy. They've got one of the best managers and not the best manager in the world. They've got a brilliant squad of players. So there's a lot of things that they have done right from a, a footballing perspective, a technical perspective and how you, how you run a football club. But of course, there is a giant asterisk or, you know, as you said, 115 asterisks over their success, you know? And I, I just, I try to imagine like what it's like for a manager to go through a season where you lose just one game and you get 97 points and you still don't win the league. Mm. Like you must get up in the morning and just think, well, why, how can I, how can I actually compete with this? Because if at the heart of it, and I think it's probably, I'm not going to speak for Jurgen Klopp or I'm not going to speak for any other football manager, but within the football world, I think if you ask most football fans, do they feel like what Manchester City have achieved has been achieved fairly, I would say a lot of people would say no. And if you feel like you're not competing on a level playing field, season after season after season, I can completely understand why it, it, you just run out of energy. You run out of the ability to, to, to try and go again, pick yourselves up, dust yourselves off, go again. And even with this Liverpool team, I think is you know one of the best teams uh, we've seen in the Premier League. Over the years, City have still won five out of the last six. If Klopp hadn't been at Liverpool, the Premier League would have been a procession. The only competition would be who's avoiding relegation, who's going to get in the top four. And even with that, you know, it's it's um, it's been something of a foregone conclusion for a few of those seasons. So I, I think that has played a huge part in, in his decision. You know, you could take a more cynical look at it as well and say, well, Mo Salah is going to be 32 in the summer and Virgil van Dijk is going to be 33 in the summer and those two guys in particular I think have been fundamental to Liverpool's success you know and 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 those guys are like generational talents that are extremely difficult to replace you know to some extent it's probably like Arsenal trying to replace Thierry Henry or Patrick Vieira. How many times did you hear, you know, people say, well, Arsenal just need to find the new Patrick Vieira. Well, easier said than done because those guys, they don't come along every, uh, you know, they're sort of once in a lifetime players almost, you know. So there might be some some of that going on with, with his decision. But I think at the heart of it, he has said City are just going to keep going. They're going to obfuscate this case. Who knows when there might be a resolution to the 115 changes. I'm 56. I've won pretty much everything and I need to live a little, just take a year or two years or whatever it is just to see what life is like. Because I think whatever about the addictive quality of being a football manager and the highs that that gives you, I think as well, it is a fairly nonstop pursuit, right? Week after week, day Absolutely. after day, like even you know, even in the summer, you're you're you, when there's no football, you're still having to strategize and work, and you know, I'd say it's a very very well rewarded, very um, very well paid job, obviously, 
uh, for the best guys, and, and he is certainly one of the best, but it must be extraordinarily hard work as well. It is, and incredibly high pressure. And, you know, if I'm on the one hand just going to say of Arsene, he found it difficult to relinquish it, I think on the other hand, you've got to commend anyone who can get up and go like that for 20 years, as mm. he did with Arsenal. So I, do th- I do think, you know, Klopp effectively citing a bit of burnout and exhaustion saying he can't find the energy anymore, also places the achievements of people like Ferguson and Wenger yeah. in a different context in terms of the the continuity. You know, I always remember Wenger said, I think the most important criteria for success is um, the stamina of the motivation. Mm. And I, I think that's really true. Like a lot of people in life in their adolescence or early 20s can be incredibly driven to do something, but maintaining that through the years and the yeah. decades is a whole other thing you know i guess like yourself you know getting up and writing a blog every day in your own in that in its own small way i mean that you know that that gets harder when you get to 30 40 and on you know and you're like i've got to keep doing this it, i can imagine there's a that it's, it's it's not easy but um yeah with a role as demanding as that one i i think it is a particular drain and and to give Klopp credit um and you know we, we give him stick as well Klopp but um to sign another Wenger quote it's like he said you know people love you when you're born and they love you when you die and you know at the end of your tenure you tend to get a lot of praise I do think the way he sort of stabilized Liverpool this year um well more than stabilized you know they, they mm. look like they might win another Premier League title potentially uh, it is impressive. I don't think many managers, you know, could have had the season that he did last year, where they did absolutely look like a team that run out of legs, that were the end of a cycle, um, and sort of escape that vortex. Mm. I think I think that's actually one of his best achievements, really. And I know that a, a rebuild there is still needed, but to take a team that looked to be really ailing, really struggling and transform them transform them in the space of one window back into title contenders uh, as if almost it never happened yeah i think is really impressive management you know the idea that you know when a manager announces he's going it might have a detrimental effect on the team has been played out in in other scenarios i think with this one i i think it's like I said this to somebody yesterday i was talking to um a liverpool fan and it's like a marathon runner having a an energy gel in their back pocket, you know? Um, mm-hmm. You get to a certain point and then you remember you've got this energy gel, you chomp it down and your legs feel a bit uh, less tired and you've got a bit more a bit more oomph. I think that's the way it's going to be for Liverpool. I think this will be, you know, they are a, a club that harnesses and uses emotion in a, in, in a big way. And I don't mean that to be critical or, or pejorative in any way. I just think that this will be this will be a little boost in their back pockets between now and the end of the season. It's you know, it's it's something we're gonna experience or have to deal with pretty soon because we're playing Liverpool next weekend. Yeah. And and I listen, I I made them very strong contenders for the title prior to this. I mean, that's fairly evident. They're mm-hmm. five points clear at the top of the table, albeit with City having a game in hand. But I think this could you know, just help give them a little fillip mm. uh, in the second half of the season. 
they they are a, an emotional club and there have been times that's worked for them and times that's, that's worked against them. We all remember Steven Gerrard in the huddle. Mm. You know, we do not let this slip. The, the sort of... Uh, armies of Liverpool fans lining the roads to Anfield to welcome, uh, you know, the team for the run-in for those big, big games. And, and that particular year, it didn't work out for them, albeit under a different manager. Um, so we shall see. If it doesn't work out for them, I do hope that everyone calls them uh, too emotional because, you know, that, <laughs> I, I don't want that criticism to be reserved purely for us. Not just for us. I have to say as well, I, I like... Jurgen Klopp, I know he can be annoying and irritating like many opposition managers are, but I think fundamentally, um, you know, the way he speaks about football and the way he speaks about some of the issues in the game of football and, and society in general, I've connected with those on a, on a sort of human level, if you like. So I do like him. And I think ultimately, this is probably good news for Arsenal, that a, a manager as good as he is, regardless of who Liverpool get in to replace him, whether it's Xabi Alonso or, or somebody else, I think when a manager of his stature leaves a club, there is a period of, of instability or, or things have to recalibrate around a new setup, a new system, a new way of working, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So from a purely selfish perspective, you know, I hope that that is something Liverpool experience and that we can take advantage of. Yeah. And, and it's not just him. Like you say, I think there's a very good chance Mo Salah won't be there next season. Um, Virgil van Dijk maybe isn't what he was. So it's, it's playing personnel too. And it, whoever they hire, mm. let's talk about Xavi Alonso potentially. Um, who's obviously a very able coach, it, it may take some time. Mm. You know, it took it takes it takes managers time sometimes to to shape a team in their own image, and that's what whoever succeeds Klopp will, will probably want to do. Um, I like him as well, and just sort of for a bit of personal insight, when I first started getting the opportunity to go to press conferences and cover games uh, as a journalist. Uh, Klopp was one of the first kind of foreign managers uh, I ever saw in a press conference when he was at Dortmund. Um, and I was so impressed by him right away. I mean, obviously his Dortmund team were at that time exhilarating mm. to watch and had a style of play. You know, Klopp was kind of the poster boy for, for the counter-pressing and we, had, we didn't have anything quite like that in the Premier League. Um, and it was sort of almost antithetical to kind of the predominant styles of play that we were seeing um, and incredibly exciting as a result. But as a person and as a speaker, I just found him really, really, really compelling. Mm. And I, I absolutely wanted him to be the next Arsenal manager. Um, and, I, and I, you know, we kind of missed the boat there. I don't know if it would ever have happened, but uh, the timing certainly didn't work out. Uh, um, and I was a bit gutted when he went to Liverpool. And just to bring things full circle, just the other day, we played Liverpool in the FA Cup at the Emirates Stadium and I was in that same press conference room where I'd seen him at Dortmund all those years ago and, and Mikel Arteta came in and gave his press conference. Um, and then I stuck around for, for Klopp. And he has... It was really interesting to see them back-to-back -back because I think Mikel can be quite charismatic uh, in his own way and certainly very energised when he speaks. But seeing Klopp come in, 
I think as a consequence of his experience, his age, his track record, he had a presence and a control in that room and in that space that was some way in advance of Mikel Arteta. And that is not a criticism. Sure, I understand. Because, yeah, yeah Mikel is starting out. I think we do forget that sometimes. But it was just sort of um, really striking to see one after the other. If anything, it made me respect what Mikel was doing more because you sort of think, well, he's competing with guys who've been doing this for 30 years. Well, yeah, yeah. When you think uh, about the experience of, of Klopp and Guardiola. Um, yeah. But it, it also made me sort of excited and curious about Arteta's own development, just to see this guy who's sort of at the top of his game and think, you know, Mikel's probably still got a while until he he can get there. Yeah, um, yeah it was just really striking to me. But yeah, I, I just find Klopp a, a very impressive individual. Not all the time. No, not you know, always. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he is a rival of a manager club, so I don't want to go overboard in my praise. But yeah, certainly one of the best... Um, I've witnessed in my time following football and English football. I think I think he's a top top manager. Yeah. And I'm sure he'll resurface somewhere, but probably after a, a, a substantial sabbatical. A good rest, you know. Read some books in your hammock and and come back and see what's available there. There are possibly some big jobs in Europe uh, this this summer as well. We had a question on the Discord from Back Sack and Crack who said, I'm sure you will cover Klopp leaving Liverpool, but what about Xavi leaving Barcelona? Could they make a move for Mikel Arteta in the summer? If the rumour has it, he's close to extending his contract here. Could his head be turned? So this is um, you know, on the back of a 5-3 defeat last night um, to Villarreal. Xavi announced that he is leaving Barcelona. Just a quick um, taste of, of what he said. You often feel there's a lack of respect. You feel your work is not appreciated. It wears you down terribly in terms of health, of mental health, your mood, your emotional state. I'm a positive guy, but the energy goes down, down, down until the point at which you say, it makes no sense. It makes no sense to continue. That's how I explain it. Being Barcelona coach is so difficult. You see how they kill you. They criticize you. It affects you. I mean, he's not exactly selling the job to whoever's coming next, is he? Yeah. No, I don't, it's not a great reference, is it, for his uh, employers? I mean, famous last words, Andrew. And far be it from me to ever be wrong about anything on a podcast. Sure. Hasn't happened but yet. No. <laughs> I don't intend to make a habit of it. Um, yeah, I, I don't think Mikel Arteta at this point in time, would have much interest in leaving Arsenal for Barcelona, which is kind of an extraordinary thing to say. Um, I mean, in general, it, it might be, but I think when you, have, when you examine the circumstances in which Barcelona exist at this particular, uh, this particular time, I think it does make sense that that is not a move that he would be prepared to make right now. Yeah, and, but, and I think as well it's a compliment to Arsenal in some respects. I mean, essentially, you know, he's got everything set up for him in North London. The club is kind of structured around him. He's got enormous power and uh, control. Uh, and also, the Premier League is the place to be. Yeah. And he, he's competing at the very sharp end of the Premier League. I, I'm sure he has aspirations to manage in Spain. 
Spain one day. I'm sure you might well have aspirations to manage uh, Barcelona one day. But I don't personally feel we're, we're, you know, close to that time right now. No, me neither. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. I think there would be... There will be plenty of speculation in the in the the Catalan press about it, but you know, right now the camp now is being dismantled, and who knows when it's going to be rebuilt. Uh, they have serious financial issues. You know, they're they're mortgaging their their TV rights years into the future just to keep the club going and keep them afloat. There's issues with recruitment. You know, I think the the squad that they have has been put together terribly. Um, you know, there's that thing with the the referees. You know, imagine going to Barcelona now and being like a guy who lasted 18 months through no real fault of your own because the club is a shambles and you don't even get to manage at the, at the camp now. You've got to you know use the Olympic Stadium in in Barcelona in uh, at Montjuic, which is where they're playing their home games. You know, for the foreseeable future, it just doesn't strike me as that is not the version of Barcelona that Mikel Arteta would have any interest in. And uh, at some point in the future, yes, maybe, but right now, I I wouldn't worry about. It, uh, at all, uh, to be honest. What about the contract, though? Do, do you think it gives Arsenal a bit of an added incentive to to you know put Mikel under a longer contract? Uh, maybe. I mean, we talked about talked about this a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Um, where we were talking about you know would you get him uh, signed up to a new contract? And I absolutely would. There's a year to go in the summer. It makes sense that that's probably the time at which it will happen. Um, but yeah, I think when you're looking around and you're seeing Klopp leaving Liverpool and you're seeing Xavi um, leave Barcelona and maybe there might be some more managerial uh, comings and goings between now and the end of the season, you know, I think it just makes sense to give Arteta uh, a new deal. Um, you know, th- not I'm not saying that everything is lining up um, for Arsenal or for him because there's still all the hard work to do and you've got to win football matches, but... We've made a lot of progress under Mikel Arteta, and I think there ought to be more to come, and I think he deserves the chance to uh, to try and make that happen. He does. He does. And, and the the only thing that's sort of daunting when you look at the future is, I think as, as long as Pep's in position, I think it's always going to be difficult. I mean, for all Klopp's brilliance, what's he got today? One Premier League title? Yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds that sounds so mad, doesn't it? When you think about the teams he's built, I know, um, like the yeah. points he's accumulated in another era. You know, they probably have two or three at least. You know, if if it was mm. a more competitive uh, playing field, which I think we all understand, uh, it isn't. Okay, so look, one of the things that people asked us for, and they were looking for um, clips of, was Hector Bellerin and the foul throw. Yes. Which I could not find. Could not. I went through so many episodes. I, I created transcripts for the episodes and, and couldn't Same. find it. Couldn't find it. Same. So what I've done, what I did was I, I decided I would recreate it. So when Hector well, Bellerin... Well, no place to. You, yeah. you, your impression is spot on. Okay. So this, you know, Hector Bellerin taking a, a throw. It's called as a foul throw. And he exclaimed, this is my recreation I throw like this my whole life, right? <laughs> so then I decided. I think Andrew, you could you could have just played that without telling anyone that you'd recreated <laughs> it, and I think people would have just accepted that. Yeah, maybe. I throw like this my whole life. Well, then it's I, like he's here, it's like in the room with us. But then I thought I would do some um, variations. So this is a more disbelieving version of that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I felt like this my whole life. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and then we have the sad version. I felt like this my whole life. <laughs> and then I was... We were all sad about those throws, that's for sure. <laughs> and then I was walking into town last night and I had a, a flash of inspiration I had to take a voice note on my phone. I'll let people under the cur- behind the curtain of the creative process. This is the voice note that I took as I was walking into town. Hector Bellerin, I throw like this my whole life set to love lift us up where we belong. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Just, that feels like when Alan Partridge is like playing back his ideas that he's recorded <laughs> on his little voice recorder. That's great. Well, uh, I had the idea, so I had to do it. So here it is. Great. Absolutely great. So there you go. There you go. I'm glad we couldn't find the original. I think, uh, I think we've surpassed it. I think we might have. I think we might have. Um, so, look, we're going to go, I think, and take a, a little bit of a break here. But one of the other things that people uh, people wanted us to, to dig out were some of the hashtag manager out bits. Oh yeah. So yeah. we've got a bit of uh, we've got a bit of Graham Potter out when he was at Chelsea when things were going very well for him, and then we've got a little bit of Ole out when things were going so well for him at at Manchester mm. United, and then to take us into the break, we've got a, a jingle, a much requested jingle, um, which is the "It's a Great Day" Ian Wright jingle, and we'll come back uh, into part two with the. Uh, the commentary mix from the Bournemouth game from last season, which was one of the most requested things um, when we put it out there. So we will be back in part two with a bit more chat and a few more clips from 10 years of the Arscast Extra. So stick with us. And I look, I want to distance this from Graham Potter himself, who seems like a very nice man who's been on the end of horrendous abuse, apparently from uh, Chelsea fans, which is completely and utterly unacceptable but you know you don't win football matches you're gonna get hashtagged yeah uh so this is i enjoyed this one from a chess fan called james i wasn't sarry out i wasn't lampard out (laughs) i wasn't tuckle out i am potter out i like this one from borga i'm not gonna read out the full names but he says what's happening to chelsea is not funny anymore potter is not only ruining chelsea but the entire english premier league and that of uefa champions league (laughs) <laughs> uh, this is from Chelsea fan Hashim Bowley you made a mistake we can move past that fucking sack him two <laughs> wins in 16 games 10th joint with Villa Villa clueless manager brings on Oba when 2-0 down he is fucking shit <laughs> gets Potter out now he is ruining us for fuck's sake! <laughs> uh, Hitanshu says, Hi, at Chelsea FC. If you worry about your fans, then please take hashtag Potter out now very seriously. This is not how I want to be treated when I wear my club's jersey. Hashtag Chelsea FC. Hashtag Potterball. Hashtag 
Potter out. And this other one as well was quite good from uh, Heisenberg who says, Potter is going to be the death of us all. Skull emoji, <laughs> hashtag Potter out. There's a few good ones here. This one, this guy's Twitter username is just Potter out. So he's fully <laughs> on board. We don't want any fucking process. Hashtag Potter out. <laughs> uh, there's someone here who's called Tyo, who's just posted a picture of Graham Potter and said, this is what disgrace look like in football. Hashtag Potter out. <laughs> um, I also enjoyed this from Ace Flame. Potter out. You are absolute disgrace. Embarrassed, disappointed, absolutely disgusting. Have emotion on people and leave. <laughs> this was my favourite. We'll go in. We'll do one more before we go into the break. This one is, uh, again, they've changed their name to hashtag Potter out. It says, the fans are starting to turn their anger towards you now, Todd Bowley. Sack Potter soon or face the anger of the fan base that'll soon explode. Use the fans' eyes and listen to the fans. What the fuck happened to that? Hashtag Potter out. Use the fan. You want to use, use the eyes, fans' but eyes, use, but use your own ears and listen to the fans. To listen to the fans as well. Amazing. No wonder the clubs in a mess if they're using their eyes and to listen. And oh, oh man, fun times. Poor old Graham Potter. Uh, right, final one before we go, and I'm just trying to find it here. It's from uh, Aksat Batnagar. Oh, okay. God, why does it... I apologise for uh, um, mangling it. And he's at Akshat Buchtinger94. Andrew Mangling. Yeah, Here Andrew Mangling. <laughs> and he says, I see All I Out is trending. Please do your thing. Oh, uh, okay. Cause, shall cause, we? Yeah, we shall a bit. I had a, I had a look here. Oh, go on. I yeah, like you, have, you tell me what you found. Mourinho, please take us back. He was right about the whole club. Hashtag Olay out. <laughs> and this one, I discovered that I did not hate Mourinho. It was just peer pressure. Hashtag Olay out. Wow, it was just peer pressure, guys. That that is a fascinating thing among Man United fans. There's a big movement among them who revere Mourinho and are like he was right and the club was wrong, and they. A healthy chunk of them are like Mourinho didn't get a fair crack of the whip. Um, they're welcome to have him back, to be honest, because he's such a toxic individual. Gerald, who's at Gerald Three Official, so it's the official Gerald, right? Um, well, the, says, the third official Gerald. It's probably yeah, a couple. Sorry, of yeah, yeah. Uh, he starts with hashtag Oli out. Not serious at all. Zero away wins since PSG. Where is the team heading? He can't win even small games. All he knows is to smile and say, we played very well. <laughs> That's all he knows. Four wins in last 22 games, and this man has audacity to laugh after drawing to Azed Alkmar. Get this clown out of my club. Hashtag Ole out. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's great. They're goodness. turning on a, a hero. Fun to see. It really, really is. Fun to see.
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's a brand new year. And what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Well, away we go. Top v second from bottom. And a stadium Bournemouth have never even earned a draw at. They're looking for an early chance there, and they've got it! What a start! How quick was that? Philip Billy, goodness me, a big goal for Bournemouth, big blow for Arsenal. With a corner. Oh, it's 2-0! It's huge for Bournemouth! Senesi to double their advantage. The Cherries chastening the title chasers beyond their wildest dreams. And for Arsenal, agony. El centro de Bucayo saca cerrado el puño de Neto. Le va a caer a Smith Rowe. Toca con la cabeza. Gol de Thomas Party para el Arsenal. Gol. Vamos a ver si ha entrado gol. Gol, 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 gol. Gol de Ben White para el Arsenal. Le moment est important. Le corner est bien tiré. Nelson pour la balle de match. Nelson la frappe Riz Nelson Le gamin formé au club. Héros dans le temps additionnel. Exceptionnel Gunners Navisho Edegor. Vibolina Nelson. Antoyo probuil. Probuil. La última, la última, tiene que ser de cabeza el centro, el golpe de cabeza defensivo, Nelson. ¡Gol! ¡Gol! ¡Del Arsenal! Anna Bolleros Nelson, Tom Hüfter, Ivan, Maris 
برشلونه الكره وهبالها الكره بتلالها الكره بجمالها والكره بالنيسون حتى نيسون جول 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 ساكورا كيك نيلسون بريترابر شوتو ده All right, well, welcome back to part two of this 10th anniversary Arscast Extra special. Still a bit spine-tingling, that, isn't it? The the whole Reese Nelson thing, when you think about it, what a, what a moment it was. I mean, is it something you still remember as fondly, given how the, the season ended and faded out? Or are those moments sort of enough? They stand alone to be just something that can be... You know, when you think about it, it gives you like the ooh, uh, again and again. I think people will vary on that. Uh, for me, I still think of it really fondly. And, you know, we're talking about Jurgen Klopp. How long has he been at Liverpool? And he's only won the one Premier League title. You know, not every year can be your year, but I think it's about enjoying the journey, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that was just an incredible moment. I don't know if it will ever. Well, I can't. I can't envisage what it will take to surpass that in terms of kind of the pure emotion of it. It yeah. was extraordinary. It was so tied into what was going on though last season as well, wasn't it? The yeah, the sort of the hope, the expectation, the the enjoyment of what we were doing and how we were doing it and how we were playing and and the sort of slight surprise element of being where we were for as long as we were throughout that season. I think just that that moment made you think, oh, it's written. There's something written in the stars about this. Unfortunately, the stars were assholes or the wrong writer was given that particular gig. Who knows? But it, it yeah. just felt like so powerful, uh, if that's the right way to put it. Yeah, and you know what? With a bit of distance now, I do wonder if the reason that moment so stands out, I mean, any time you score a 98th minute winner to come from behind to win, it's going to stand out. But Arsenal winning the league, although it became very plausible, given sort of where we started and the level of expectation there was, it felt like doing the impossible. You know, that was what was so extraordinary about it, particularly in that first half of the season. The consistency we showed, the level of performance, you know, we defied the odds, right? Mm. And I think that feeling of we're doing the impossible, we could do, you know, the inconceivable and beat Man City to a title was kind of crystallised in this, like, improbable moment. Sure. of Reese Nelson coming off the bench, hitting a left foot shot into the top corner in the last second of the game. Uh, it just felt like this thing that just seemed so difficult to do suddenly became like, well, look what else we're doing. Yeah, um, And it didn't quite last all the way to May, but 
I don't think I'll think of it uh, any less fondly because of that. I mean, of course, you know, had we gone on and done it, it would be remembered much more. We didn't finish the story, Andrew. No. And fans fans of uh, pro wrestling will will understand that reference. We didn't finish the story, but you get another chop. An op- another, <clears throat> you get another opportunity. Sounds like I'm getting choked up about yeah, not being the lead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you didn't finish the story. It's actually but, um, just the air conditioning in my hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> the great thing about sport is you get other chances, you know. Yeah, and uh, we will go on and finish it one day. I'm sure. Um, this is the part of the show where we usually, you know, take a few questions from listeners. Mm. Uh, I haven't really done that for this particular show. I do have a couple of questions, which you might get to in a little bit, but I just wanted to, on the uh, the 10th anniversary edition, play some clips from a few of the questions that we've had from down the years. And when we come back from these, we'll talk a little bit about what might or might not happen between now and the end of the transfer window. Okay, this one comes from We Are the North Bank at North Bank Lore. And he says, Ray Parler says in his book that he used to take Overmars to a social club in Romford. Can you reenact that, please? So you you be uh, you be Ray Parler, and I'll be Mark Overmars. Okay. I'll be honest with you though, and I'm about to give something. What happens in a so? I don't even know what happens in a social club. I think people get drunk and talk and Fine. play play um, board games. Don't well, know. I'll be Ray Parler. Okay, you be Ray Parler. I'll, I'll be Mark. Overmars. Can you do a Mark Overmars accent? Absolutely. Right, I can't do a Ray Parler accent, so let's let's do it. All right. All right, all right Mark. All right, mate. Do you want to come down to the social club with me in Romford? Yes, I do. Right, let's go in. Oh, look, there's Big Tony. He's playing darts. Do you like darts, Mark? Oh, I, I certainly do, but I prefer a game of bridge. <laughs> Fuck off, mate. It's darts or nothing, or you get a fucking dart in your eye, son. <laughs> now drink this pint through your arsehole with a straw. But that's not a pint of pims. I wanted a pint of pims. Listen, mate, you're not in Never Neverland anymore. F- fucking hell, get this lager down you, you cunt. Right, now you're the dartboard over Mars. <laughs> oh! Everyone line up. Oh, that's it. Oh! <laughs> Chuck stuff at him. Oh! Oh! He's only little. Throw a chair at him. This is England. This is England, mate. Welcome. I oh, know, I love you, though. I love you. I love you. Ah, no, you're great. I love you. I love you too, something like Ray. That. Yes, yeah, something I think, like that. I think that's how yeah. it went. Because we know I'm Mark, sure that's how yeah, it went. Mark Overmars used to go out uh, disguised as um, Mrs. Doubtfire. That's how he wouldn't exactly. get recognised around London. That's how he could drink in all the social clubs. I think we pretty much nailed that one. Okay, S at Atwood10 wants to know. This one is from Fax Siraj. So Fax Siraj asks, <laughs> um, because I don't know if you know, this, but this is what happened. He says, what do you think Tim Sherwood was doing locked in the changing room with his team after the final? I would say Tim Sherwood sat them all down and took his cock out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Is that the the end of it or? No. I think it should be. No. All right. He said to them, (laughs) I want you to look at this. Look at it. Benteke, get your eyes off the floor, you fucker. Look at this. If you if you don't want to see this every fucking week, 
then you better fucking play better than you did today. <laughs> the ones of you that are going to be let Grealish eyes on the cock right now. Please, sir, no. <laughs> the ones of you that are going to be here next season, and that's not many of you because I'm going to sell you all. I'm going to bring you down to a fucking Sunday car boot sale and flog you all off. But if you're here next season and you don't want to see this mighty thing in your faces, sure. you fucking, you play better than that. Because this is nothing, not my fault that you lost the FA Cup final. I'm certainly not tactically inept. My my answer to being fucking 2-0 down in an FA Cup final, or 3-0 down in an FA Cup final, I brought on Gabriel Agbonlahor. So who's the fucking assholes here? Look at the cock! That's what I think he said. And I'm, I'm just speculating. Allegedly. Uh, more questions? Yeah, or? I've got one, one final one here. One I'll final on one here. And this, this, um, this came in by email. And uh, it says, uh, Dear Andrew and James, sorry for not submitting my question via Twitter, but because of the character limit there, I just couldn't fit it all in, as I'm sure you'll understand when you read this email. My name is John from North London, and I'm a happily married man with two kids. Well, I say happily married, but that's not really the case anymore. I won't say where I work, but I'm a manager in a reasonably sized office and I've progressed well in my career. I've always been a dedicated and conscientious worker, but recently I got involved in a situation which has turned my life upside down. It began when my assistant was knocked off her bike and had to take time off work due to the injury she suffered. She was replaced by a young woman I'll call Sarah. As I said, I'm a happily married man, but I was immediately struck by Sarah's beauty. To cut a long story short, we were out at a work event one night, and after a free bar, we were the only two left. I'd never even considered doing anything, but all of a sudden, she kissed me. It was like sparks went through my body. This young woman found me, a 39-year-old man, attractive. We went back to her place and made sweet, sweet love. Afterwards, I was racked with guilt and told her it could never happen again, but I couldn't resist her. She was so beautiful and an absolute demon in the sack. At the point of climax, I would exclaim, Wombelgasm! I don't know why. We took risks doing it in the handicapped toilets and sneaking out hoping nobody would see. The idea of being found out made it even hotter. And she would do things that my wife wouldn't, things I didn't even know about. She pegged me <laughs> over my desk one evening when everybody had gone home and it was amazing. Right until the moment a colleague came in having forgotten their laptop and saw us. I knew it would go around the office in no time, and because I've worked there so long, my wife is friends with some of the people there, and she'd find out. I had to confess everything, even the humiliating way it was discovered, and I'm now living out of home. My, my wife won't talk to me. I can't see my kids, and Sarah, embarrassed by the office gossip, has left and changed her number, so I can't get in touch with her. Not that I want to. I want to save my marriage, but she also remains an itch I can't scratch. Anyway, thanks for sticking with me, and here's my question. I really hope you can help, because I'm at my wit's end. When everyone's fit, what's our best 11? <laughs> it's... <laughs> it's, the, you know... Oh, man. <laughs> oh, dear. It's a good question, you know. It's a good question, and I'm glad he took the time to write it. Yeah. All right, well, some fun questions down the years, it has to be said. It's serious football analysis, Andrew. <laughs> That's why people keep coming back, you know? It's, it's the insight, the yeah. tactical insight that we're able to provide. It is the 28th of January, and... 
people will want to know if anything is going to happen between now and the uh, the end of the window. I know you're far away in in Florida, the other side of the Atlantic, but of course, um, technologically and and electronically, you're still in close contact with um, the Athletic HQ and sure. um, all all the uh, all the I've transfer knowledge that's in that room with David Ornstein and. Not that David Ornstein. Um. <laughs> I've still got David Ornstein on my on my frequently contacted on WhatsApp. It's like my wife, uh, you, and him basically. So um, yeah, I'm on speed dial. But and also, it's a weird deadline actually this year. We've got slightly longer than I thought because it's uh, Thursday, February first. Oh, is it is the first? Okay. I thought yeah. it would have been the thirty first, but um, maybe because course- there's games or something this week. Yeah, well, we play on the Tuesday, so I guess it, it, it suits us in some respects. I don't know why it's the first, um, but it is the first. Right. Uh, which gives us another 24 hours, Andrew. To do nothing. Right. To do, in which to do nothing. <laughs> I don't expect a great deal. Um, <laughs> I don't expect any deal, <laughs> really. Uh, do you? No, I mean, look... We haven't even managed to sell Cedric to a Turkish club, despite you know so many stories this month about the race. him going there. Yeah, um, the race for Cedric, as it's been described. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Far be it for me to you know to cast doubts on the um, the legitimacy uh, legitimacy of stories that emanate from uh, the Turkish football press, but you know they're very much a, I'll believe that when I see it kind of thing. Um, but it, it probably speaks volumes that that is the most uh, talked about or reported on Arsenal transfer story in the month of January beyond the sort of vague striker Tony discussions, which I think most people realize very quickly were, were not realistic. Yeah, it's really interesting Um Basically, the only people being talked about in terms of Arsenal transfers appear to be Cedric Suarez and Nuno Tavares, which um, kind of says it all. Nuno is obviously on loan, isn't he? Uh, yeah. At Forest. But I do think there are various people, intermediaries, clubs, trying to find a way to kind of broker him out of that agreement, potentially. And I think Arsenal would be really open to that if they could find a way to get some money for him. Marseille uh, have just signed another left-back, though, so that's probably that. Yeah, yeah. I think, there's, I think there is a bit of other interest, actually, in Nuno Tavares, um, and not just in the Turkish media. Okay. But I don't know the ins and outs of his contract with Forrest and whether or not... I've heard c- conflicting information, let's say, about whether or not that can be broken mid-season. Um, I'm sure Forrest could be talked into it, you know, from a... You know, the, the, there's always a price kind of vibe, but they're well within their rights not to, to let him go if they don't want to. You know, the deal is done in good faith at the start of the season to take a player on loan for the duration. So, you know, I don't think they're being difficult as such. Um, you know, they've got a load of players away at AFCON. Maybe more of those players are, are coming back uh, now that the, the group stages are over. But you can understand if they don't particularly want to and if there's a way of making them do it it's probably a you know a bag of cash yeah and in terms of incomings i mean i mentioned david ornstein you know if you look back at his reporting uh the athletics reporting more generally 
from kind of November time, it was sort of like, well, Arsenal don't have a lot to play with in this window. And if they do, their priority is to sign David Raya. And it's almost a kind of contractual priority, really. Um, uh, and beyond that, it's, mm. it's been real crickets. Um, that said, you know, <laughs> I think it would be naive to say, well, absolutely nothing will happen. You know, Arsenal have surprised us in the past and things can change very quickly in the final few days of a transfer window. A player can come on the market. It wasn't previously. An injury can force you into the market. Um, but certainly my expectations are that I, I don't think there'll be a, a yeah. significant sign. No, me neither. Me neither. You never know, but I wouldn't put I wouldn't put any money on it. That's for sure. That's for sure. I, I do. I do wonder as well, like how much. I mean, we've spoken about this, but the the market generally is very quiet. Um, yeah. And maybe if other clubs were going out and doing lots of business. Arsenal might feel more compelled to sort of enter the arms race. Isn't there sort of not? like a snowball effect as well, though, that if, you know, a few clubs start buying players, players start moving around, money starts moving around, and opportunities for other players to fill gaps elsewhere, you know, become part of the process, and, and it's sort of like a bit of a snowball effect in a way. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true, and, and it's not really happening. So, you know, it only takes one big snowball for things to start moving, but... I don't see it. I don't see it right now. No. Okay. One of the things um, that has developed over time uh, in this particular podcast is the um, you know is the the goodly morning thing, which mm. um, you know is on mugs and uh, has been. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? I can't remember what word I'm looking for, but there have been. <laughs> <laughs> there have been many goodly mornings and lots of goodly morning bits and pieces, but here is, I'm going to play this now, here is the origin of of goodly morning. I can't remember which episode it actually came from, um, but this is the first time that it was uh, blurted out. So here we go. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there. Welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. Good morning. Good morning. Is that your catchphrase? Good morning. Good morning. I don't know that that's necessarily a catchphrase because it's something pretty much everyone says. Like if I was I mean, to say, mm. goodly morning to you, something like that, that could be a catchphrase. But I, I can see that on T-shirts, on mugs. Goodly morning to you. Yeah, <laughs> I think from now on, <laughs> that is your catchphrase. It's a pretty wicked one, in fairness. Mm. How are you? Is this a goodly morning with you? Goodly morning. Listen's a load of poo. Goodly morning, 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 oh, oh, goodly morning. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I. Goodly morning. Microphones. 
and one goodly morning. Wow. So we've dropped the to you. Yeah, we um, have. For branding purposes. Of course. I don't know what my fixation with uh, catchphrases is, but that's a, sort of a, a theme uh, over over the years. I guess I'm, I'm always on the make. I'm always looking for marketing opportunities. Well, you are, um, yeah. And I'm, I'm sorry to... I'm sorry that the voice has faded over the, the, the passing years. Do you know what I mean? It's just goodly morning, but the, the goodly morning to you. Goodly morning voice. to you. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, think I say bring that back. Uh, yeah, but you know what? What's interesting is that when uh, I might as well play this now, if we're talking about branding and, and things like that, I might as well play this next bit. Um, when you invented, like, yeah, I don't know how you came up with it. I really don't. It's just, you know, to this day, it's just a stroke of, of genius, a flash of inspiration. Sure. When you um, came up with the let's do this, you also did, you would, you did like a let's do this. Yeah. That's the, that's the correct pronunciation, I suppose. But now it's, now it's just become a bit of a let's do this and it's less of the, mm. less of the funny voice. So here is, here is from relatively recently, but people were asking for this, the origin of let's do this. And then the remarkable story of, of what you did subsequently um, <laughs> with that catchphrase. <laughs> This is the bit where we answer questions that you send to us on Twitter, at Gunnarblog and at Arsblog, also on the Arsblog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. James, the honor is yours today. Great. Let's do this. <laughs> I just told Andrew in the bit in between that I'm going to have a new catchphrase and it's going to be, let's do this. And you see, one day it'll be on mugs like Goodly Morning and Bye Bye. Many months later. Speaking of wins, Andrew, mm -hmm. I have some news. Oh. I have had some messages from listeners in recent weeks showing some concern and alarm that my use of the catch popular catchphrase, Les Dudas, has diminished. Right. But unbeknownst to them and to you, this has been part of a deliberate broader strategy go on well let me read you this uh letter <laughs> from the uk intellectual property office <laughs> dear sir or madam sir for, for now please find enclosed a trademark registration certificate for your trademark detailed above trademark let's do this <laughs> Owner, James McNicholas. <laughs> Ten years I have secured uh, of Let's Do This. It's a, it's a real blow to Paul from Arsenal Vision. I was just going to say, he's going to be listening to this now and, it, you know, his, his heart he's will gonna sink. He's going to be livid. <laughs> but this is, a, I guess it's a UK only mark at this point in time. Has this endeavour cost me many hours and several hundred pounds? Perhaps. But I think we can all agree. <laughs> it was a worthy cause to fill two minutes of a podcast during the interlock. It most certainly was. Well, so, so what happened was I, I submitted the application, right, two months ago. Okay. Or, or more than that, I think. And then what happens is they post it online in, like, the trademark news. And everyone 
has a chance to oppose the trademark. Ah, so like when you put a planning permission thing outside your house. Exactly. So Nike, for example, could have looked at Let's Do This and thought, damn, that's, that's just a better version of Just Do It. We need to intervene and stop this being trademarked. So consequently, obviously, I had to stop saying it on the pod because I didn't want it getting out there too much, right? Right. Fiendish. I didn't want to alert people to its brilliance. Um, but now that window of opportunity has ended. So the trademark is mine. Uh, and I guess this will be one of my last podcasts because I'll soon be a millionaire. <laughs> I'll be able to rest on my laurels, put my feet up and do no more. It, it, what an investment, Andrew. The full range of Les Dudis merchandise is going to be hitting the shops. Exactly. So it was alluded to that there might be merchandise and uh, caps and I don't know what else. So yeah. you know, any, any update on that? Anything you want to tell well, the world? I don't know. Keep your eyes to the ground, as they say, Andrew. <laughs> uh, is that right? I yeah, think something that, like that. I think that's what they say. Yeah. Keep those eyes on the ground and your ears to the skies because <laughs> there may be something in the works. Ears to the skies, boys. Um, <laughs> There's another catchphrase. Like another catchphrase. <laughs> you don't get 10 years into a podcast without having canny ability for marketing. Um, and that's me, I guess. That is you. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's do this. Wow. I, it's remarkable we haven't sort of bothered to trademark Goodly Morning, you know. I, yeah. I guess. <sighs> Seems like a lot of hassle and, you know. Adding, it was. I'm going to be honest with you, Andrew. It really was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how far you get by just adding L-Y to the end of a phrase that everyone says to each other every single day. Anyway, mm. I'm not sure you get away with with. Maybe. Uh, if everyone's saying that. a phrase that's close enough, then we could be claiming some sort of royalties potentially. <laughs> Maybe. On every time someone wishes someone a good morning. Maybe. So like, well, you're kind of taking off goodly morning there. That'll be 5p or whatever it is. I mean, yeah, microtransactions, but the volume of them makes you incredibly rich and um, allows you to retire. So I gather. Yeah. Get your hammock up beside old Jürgen there and uh, have your pina colada. <laughs> uh, shoot the breeze with him. All right. Well, we talked about Butter and Jamgate in mm. part one where we had a, a disagreement over the, uh, the toppings on toast. But I don't remember precisely what it was that we actively disagreed with in an episode, but it sparked a real reaction from listeners who were very like genuinely concerned that we had had some kind of a, a falling out. Do you remember what that was? Yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember it happening, but I don't remember the subject matter over which we disagreed. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I can think of a few, you know, sort of more, Tense conversations, but I, I can't remember a yeah. specific fallout. No. no, I don't remember the. I don't remember what that particular issue was. But but we were inundated with uh, messages on on Twitter when it wasn't an absolute shithole, and um, your emails and comments and things like that, where people were were actu actually um, concerned that we'd had a, a serious falling out, which of course w was not the case, but. 
that reaction from people um, sparked a little bit of, of inspiration for me one night when I'd been sitting at home and, and having a few beers where I decided that I would pay a celebrity to read out an apology from me to you <laughs> <laughs> via the website Cameo. And yeah. we, well, I picked a man called Gilbert Gottfried, um, the late Gilbert Gottfried, who's a comedian and an actor and a podcaster. And this is how that all went down. I, I have to end the podcast in a weird way, strange way. So you remember last week when we were talking and we had like a, a, a difference of opinion and lots of people were saying, lots of people seem to be affected by yeah. our difference of opinion. Okay. Did you? I mean, based on yes, the, I, I, I no, I agree. It was you know. a, a pronounced reaction. Yeah. Well, I think I, it's you know since the whole butter, butter and jam thing, it's been <laughs> relatively peaceful on the podcast. <laughs> since butter and jam gate, yeah, we we haven't had such a profound disagreement about things, and you know, to me, it was like okay, we just have a bit of a disagreement here, but people seem to read quite a lot into it. So the other night, James, I was, um, you know, I'd had a couple of beers, as you do have a couple of beers, and I I came across this really weird website called Cameo. Have you heard of this? No, Cameo. Okay. I'm Googling it now. Right. Basically, what it is is a website where you can get vague, well, celebrities, to one extent or another, to record you a video message. So I said, I had a couple of beers, and I said to myself, you know what would be really funny? Like, is if I, if I got somebody... Um, to do like an apology message, like uh, this is Andrew, and I had a real argument with my friend James, and I'm very sorry. And could you like record an apology message from me to James? And could you tell him, please, if you could do this one thing for me, if you could just wish him a goodly morning? That's our thing. That's our thing okay. together. Yeah, that's our thing. That's yeah. our thing that we have together. So I looked through the entire list of people. <laughs> <laughs> and I decided that I would ask the comedian and also podcaster. He does an amazing podcast, the Gilbert Gottfried, whatever it is, podcast. I can't remember the name of his podcast. Wow. You, you know Gilbert Gottfried? Oh, yeah. I saw was, him on the website just now. I was surprised he was there. So I, I, I sent a message <laughs> to, to Gilbert Gottfried saying, uh, could you please record this video for my buddy James McNicholas? We had an awful argument. It's all my fault. And could you wish him a goodly morning? Um, because that's our thing. And this, this is what I got. Okay. <laughs> okay. It, it goes on for a little while. So this is what I got. Like Here that. we go. Hi, James McNichols. This is Gilbert Gottfried. And Andrew says the two of you had an argument. Now, Andrew says uh, he might deny this, but Andrew says he was totally and completely wrong. He was, uh, he, he was wrong beyond belief. And, uh, and not about that, just about everything. Everything in his life, he admits. <laughs> and so he really wants to apologize to you, Andrew. Uh, James says anything you want. If you want his apartment painted, James will do it for you, Andrew. Uh, if Andrew, if you want 
James McNichols to trim your toenails, he'll do it. Or, uh, and and he said this, he said, uh, James McNichols said that you, Andrew, could take him to the seediest tattoo parlor and uh, have uh, make you put obscene tattoos all over the most painful areas of your body. In fact, in fact, James feels so awful about all <laughs> Have I? That's you, my problem now. Yeah, that he said that he'll be your bitch. Uh, that's what James said. Uh, Andrew, James will be your bitch. As a matter of fact, he feels so bad, uh, Andrew, that if, if you want to pass James around... To your friends. I don't. And he'll be their bitch too. This is That's what is going on. Bad he feels. <laughs> but anyway, you have a goodly, a very goodly morning. Have a goodly morning, Andrew. Andrew, the goodliest morning you can have. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, I think. <laughs> I'm not it's incredible sure. how it just flips halfway through and yeah. then suddenly it's gone from you apologising to me to I have offered to be your bitch. Yes, I, I don't quite know that he was working off the right script there. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, was, it was sort of more than I was expecting. I have to no, say. To be fair to him, he you know, he's gone out on a limb there. He's really delivered. He really has. I mean he gave it a good go. That was a good two minutes. Wow. Well, yeah. Two minutes of Gilbert Godfrey's time. Well, uh, thank you very much, Andrew. I appreciate the gesture. Yeah, extraordinary that. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, rest in peace, Gilbert Godfrey, who, who died, uh, what was it, I think a couple of years ago now. Mm. But, um, I, yeah, I don't remember exactly what the fallout is, but while he was speaking, I, I did think, I think it might have been in quite a sort of bleak time like quite a a time where we were quite rubbish and maybe it was like covid times and arsenal and football felt quite sort of negative mm. i think I, I seem to remember being worried about you right do, do you remember that <laughs> yeah and being like are you are you okay andrew sort yeah of thing, yeah, yeah yeah i mean maybe it was just yeah. the times because they were they were certainly strange times um Mate, yeah i mean that's it 10 years you know we've lived through and talked about a lot of stuff that is so I true. had hair Andrew so did I <laughs> <laughs> so did I yeah yeah we were we were young ones well seeing as we've referenced covid uh, and the the strange and difficult and um, depressing and heartbreaking times that uh, many people went through a lot of folks were looking for this particular clip where you received a letter from, I think it's the daughter of a listener mm. in quite special circumstances. Um, so I'll play that now. And um, I do remember just how emotional I think I felt when you were reading that out. I think you got quite emotional reading it out and certainly people listening to it were emotional too. So this is a letter from Karen. I think we'd probably better leave it there for now. 
Hey, can yeah. I oh, yeah. hijack the podcast for two minutes? Yeah, of course. So, uh, basically, we get loads of correspondence on the for doing the pod. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you do too. People are generally really lovely. Uh-oh. Um, and, this sounds like, <laughs> no, no, sounds like it's going to be really bad. But no, we got a letter from Steve who has a <laughs> bone to pick. <laughs> no, I had a message on Instagram. I, I found it in my kind of mm. other messages folder. And um, I wanted to just reference it because it was so touching and it kind of it bore some relevance to the COVID situation and National Health Service and things like that. But basically... Um, for context, for, I'm sure you're all aware by now, but I wrote a book about my grandfather, the differences in our lives. He was a boxer. And one of the parallels that exists in our life is that he died in the hospital where I was born, Watford General. Mm. I should by all accounts be a, a Watford fan. And he was looked after in a, a ward there called Bluebell Ward, which was a dementia ward. So that's the, the background. I got this message and it says, Hi, James. Hope you're well. I've been meaning to write you a message for a while now. And given as I'm currently in isolation, I thought, why not? My mum and I listened to the Askcast on the regular. It was my mum who recommended me to give it a listen. And my mum has asked me for your book, The Champ and the Chump, for Christmas. It is, in fact, the only thing she's asked for because... She looked after your grandfather on the Bluebell Ward at Watford General. That ward has since been turned into a COVID ward, but she's still a nurse on the current dementia and delirium ward there. You definitely won't remember her, but she remembers you working away on the laptop when you visited your grandfather, and she would wonder whether you were uploading a blog. My mum really enjoyed looking after Terry, and in fact he gave her a little signed card of himself, which is proudly displayed on our bookcase. She is so hardworking, so kind to her patients, and I love hearing all the lovely things she has to say about them and their relatives, such as yourself and your grandfather. She's had to work so hard, especially during COVID, and to be honest, I think what gets her through the long shifts is listening to Andrew and yourself on the way back home in the car and a somewhat occasional Arsenal win. I'm not sure what I was hoping to gain from this essay, and I'm not sure if you would even ever read this, but I just wanted to let you know you have a very devoted and special fan. Her name is Karen. And that Terry and yourself have an extremely special place in my mum's heart. And I just, I received that message. I was so moved by it, um, mm. as you can probably tell. Yeah, I can hear from <laughs> and, 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 and I, and, uh, I just really wanted to place, uh, to, to express my gratitude, really, to Karen and say thank you so much for looking after my grandfather in that mm. time. Um, I obviously don't remember her you know and that's that's the nature of these things these are just people doing their job Mm. but it is an amazing job they do i can't imagine the strain that they must have been under in the past however long it's been year and a half and uh, unfortunately it looks like it's going to continue to be a difficult job working in a hospital for some time still and Mm. maybe particularly at this christmas period but i'm very touched that that uh, our podcast <laughs> plays a very small part in uh, keeping people going and keeping people smiling. I'm so glad that Arsenal got the win last night and hopefully Karen enjoyed it too. But yeah. I just wanted to say thank you, not just to her, but to everybody who is working so hard to keep us going yeah. and uh, keep us afloat. And I, I, she's an example, but there are thousands of people like that, millions, and I, I'm yeah. very, very grateful to them all. Yeah, man, that was that was amazing to be honest. And yeah. in a few months, 
later I got to meet Karen. She came out to see that's right, uh, yeah, a show at Soho Theatre, um, and I got to meet her and her family, uh, and that was awesome. That was really, really awesome. So, yeah, I mean, extraordinary uh, stuff and like connections we've made over the course of the show. And I think actually, I mean, this episode, you know, there's, there's a navel gazing element to it and I hope people will forgive us that. But I, I do think, um, that COVID period, you know, I spoke about, uh, stamina of motivation. We kept going through that and it kept us going through that. Yeah, that's exactly it. That is exactly it. I think from our perspective as well, even though there was no football, the the sort of consistency and the regularity and, and something that to us, I suppose, at least felt connected to normality or the world that we we used to live in, you know, and when, when everything was locked down and everything was different and everything was strange and everything was weird and scary, you know, to have that thing for us, you know, to do it. And I suppose as well for the people at home or the people who listen to at least know that on a Monday, the Arscast Extra was going to be there, whether or not there was football or, or not, you know, that I think that, I think it was important uh, for us to, to do that for ourselves and, and for everybody else as well. Um, you know, I know it helped me. Certainly it was, a, it was a help um, because half the yeah, time you totally. didn't know what was going on, you know? Yeah, and it's some sort of consistency and structure in a time, you know, where everything felt so chaotic and and so empty yeah. in some respects. Certainly empty of things like community uh, and friendship and things like that. So, yeah, hugely valuable. And, yeah, it, as I say, it's been a, an extraordinary period Um and lots of good times as well, you know, four FA Cups in yeah. that period, I think I'm right to say. Yeah. Um, lots of moments, you know, a bit like that Reese Nelson one. Lots of laughing at other football clubs. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. I remember, uh, I, yeah. I, here's a, a, you know, we talk about preparation and what we do and what we don't do. And yeah. very often, you know, we'll, you know, create our little bits that, that, that amuse us first and foremost, I think. But what happened in COVID at one point was the the return of a feature that people um, enjoyed, which was called Magpie Facts. So here's the Magpie sure. Facts jingle that was created um, from you. Can I say slightly caterwauling into the mic uh, at random? Mm. Am I allowed? Is that? Mm. Is, or am I doing? Uh, am I doing you a disservice? I- no, I think that would be a fair description. I think that would be a fair description. So one of our listeners, uh, whose name I cannot remember now, I think it's Leo, I apologise if I can't remember properly, um, he made this Magpie Facts jingle. Magpie, living in the garden. Watch out. But what was really 
fascinating or interesting was that one weekend, I think maybe we talked about doing Magpie Facts. You know, maybe there was a text um, or a WhatsApp about, oh, we could, people have been looking for a few Magpie Facts. So I took it upon myself to make a jingle that weekend. And on the Sunday afternoon, I think before we recorded, an email slammed into my box from you. You'd made a Magpie Facts jingle as well. Um, the return of the, the mag, if you remember. So I'll play those two jingles now. Uh, Magpie Facts. Yeah, we're coming back. 2020. Sing it, Maggie. That was good for a bird. Well, I tried to tell you so. Yes, I that they look just like a crow. Magpies are back on patrol. Cause baby, now I got the flow. Cause the football is all off. Please isolate if you got a cough. But we will pick up the slack. Cause Magpie facts are back. You lied to me. When you said that Magpie facts was dead. Yes, I cried. Yes, I cried. Please, please bring back Magpie Facts, you said. So we did. So we did. Return of the Magpie Facts. Return of the Magpie Facts. Return of the Magpie Facts. You know that they are back. Magpie Facts. Magpie Facts universe has really expanded over the years. <laughs> a lot we, of franchise opportunities there. There are, there are. We will, we'll, we'll see out the show today with, um, with the Magpie song uh, that people have requested a lot. Um, but they have been a feature throughout the years uh, on this podcast. I suppose that could be one of the most unexpected and random things that somehow both of us have become intrinsically connected with with magpies every time anything in the world happens with a magpie i just get messages and messages and messages from listeners look at this clip of a magpie eating a baby look at this clip of a magpie trying to peck out a lady's eye look at you know we are to the end of our time on this earth 
connected with magpies, for better or worse. God love the listeners, but if I see that magpie <laughs> peck that woman's eye one more time, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's so freaky, and I've been sent it almost sort of like at spam levels, I would say. <laughs> like my, my, other, my other inbox on Instagram of sort of message requests is just thousands of people sending me a video of a magpie sticking its beak in this poor woman's eye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Poor it's lady. disturbing stuff. That poor, poor lady. Um, she, had a, she had a hard time. Imagine going viral because a bird tried to eat your eye out of your head. Uh, not for me. Listen, at least now she's got herself on the Arscast Extra. She'll probably consider it worth it. Maybe so. Maybe. She'll be trying to get them to pet the other eye. <laughs> <laughs> going around with a big target around it, drawn around it, peck here, big arrow. Um the lengths people go to, Andrew, for That's their 15 true. minutes of fame, honestly. That's true. Uh, on the Discord, Zach Tay says, remembering Jose Antonio Reyes, who signed 20 years ago today, uh, the 28th of January 2004. Wow. Uh, Zach says, he was the first name I ever got on the back of a football shirt. Can you remember who was your first? Uh, you know what? The first name I got on the back of... Uh football shirt, uh, egomaniac that I am, was James. I had James <laughs> and number eight um, because Ian Wright was my favourite player. Yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, I, and that would have been, I would have been about nine or ten. Probably. Right. I, I did have a Reyes shirt. I had the blue away kit with the yellow piping. Do you remember that kit? Mm. I think we wore it. In the Community Shield, he scored a couple of goals that day. Um, and I had that with Reyes 9 on the back. I don't know if I've still got it, but I definitely did have it. I suppose your first shirts would have been in an era where there weren't names on back. No, there weren't names. The first kit, the first Arsenal kit I ever got was in the build-up to the 1979 FA Cup final. My dad laid it out on, on his bed for me, this sort of the yellow... Uh, yellow shirt, um, blue shorts, yellow socks. The shirt was made of like some kind of toweling material. Um, the shorts were the most nylon that nylon has ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a thing of beauty. It remains to this day my my favorite Arsenal kit is that 1979 FA Cup um, yellow and blue. I, I just I just love that. It's so uh, hardwired into me. But I was thinking about the first name on a shirt that I got. And actually, you know what it was? I think it was Reyes because right. back around that time, 2005, 2006, I think it was the away kit that we had in the in the year we got to the Champions League final. I think someone on Arsblog had posted a link to – it was the dawn of the dodgy football shirt website era – you know, still going strong. Still going strong. But back then it was like, oh, for nine euros, you can get an authentic, in inverted commas, uh, Arsenal shirt with a name on the back. And it was it was Reyes uh, 9 on the back. And I used to wear it um, to play five-a-side in Spain as well. So That was a yellow kit, wasn't it? Yellow it was yellow, with yeah, with a kind of black, trim. black or gray or something like that. Mm. Um we and, wore it in the final, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sadly, sadly, one of the 
the saddest things that's ever happened over the, the course of the Arscast Extra is that I, I can't find my Andre Santos shirt. No, Andrew. I can't. I've looked everywhere. Don't know where it is. Must have had a, a clear eye one day and just said, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> Must have just, you know, one of those days where, you, you know, when you just set fire to something. Yeah. And you, you forget all about it. Yeah. Um, c- can you explain for the newer listeners uh, why you had an Andre Santos shirt? No. I no, actually, I, I can't remember either. I can't remember why on earth I did that. I just thought it was so, like, maybe it would have commemorated a piece of, of performance art that went above and beyond anything we'd ever seen before. Um, I, yeah, I, just, I mean, I said we, we'd gone through dark times as a show, but I had forgotten about <laughs> the Andres Santos shirt. The thing is, I, I think there was a time where he was regarded as sort of like quite a fun player. You know, mm. he was a Brazilian defender who, you know, scored some goals. Um, Do you remember that Chelsea game, that mental Chelsea game, the 5-3, yeah. where at half time I was just thinking, if that guy comes out for the second half, it's essentially a miracle. And then like about, was a couple of minutes into the second half, he scored a goal? Yeah. I think he got. He was involved in another goal as yeah. well, as I recall. Maybe it was that game that inspired you to do it. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. That uh, was that was fun. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Quite a mad time. But, sure uh, was. Shame, shame. There can't be many of those in existence. You know, printed Andre Santos shirts. Whoever's got that? Yeah, they've you know, got. Yeah. Sitting on a gold mine. It's obviously gone to some kind of you know. Um, Clothes, you know the clothes <laughs> no <laughs> one of those sort of clothes <laughs> banks where you just fill up a black bag with all the stuff you don't wear anymore and you put it in the the metal thing and yeah. they they get distributed for people who can who can use them so there is some lucky person out there wearing um an andre santos arsenal shirt or maybe not actually <laughs> maybe they went I, I, i'm naked <laughs> i've got no clothes but i'm not wearing that i think i hopefully it's discovered and is restored to its rightful position in like in the British Museum, somewhere yeah. like that, as a, an item of cult- significant cultural heritage. All right. Okay. Um, well, look, we, we better leave it there. I, I just have to ask you um, for your prediction for the next 10 years. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's an easy one. We've just got another 10 years to go, James, and then we can we can call it quits. I suppose, what would, what would I have said if you'd asked me that 10 years ago? You know, what will the show be like? Mm. I would have said, we'll be recording it in space, I imagine, <laughs> you know, um, from our satellite orbiting yeah. you know, the, the globe. Uh, in 10 years. I mean, the, the sort of, I suppose the maddest thing I can say um is that I assume I'll still be doing it in 10 years. Yes, yeah, same. Which is kind of extraordinary. <laughs> Such a long time into the future, but I cannot imagine uh, a world where I- I'm not doing it, really. Yeah. It's sort of so part of my routine and part of my life that, yeah, I, I think the reality is I still won't know whose turn it is to ask a question. <laughs> I'll still not have properly lined up all the questions and have to go bum, 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 while I find them. Bum, 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 bum. And I'll still be saying goodly morning. 
I imagine. Well, I hope so. And I hope we have many of those. And I hope that at some point in the next 10 years, you know, we get the the success as a football club that that everybody listening to this is is craving i think you know a, a a title or two again maybe a champions league um wouldn't that be amazing for uh for the next 10 years something like that would be would be just incredible you know um and i hope for everybody listening that that's that that's something that we get so that's as yeah. that's as we, much we as deserve I, it andrew i think know, so for- for uh, our persistence in the face of, you know, COVID and lost Europa League finals oh. and burned Leno doesn't matter. You know, <gasps> the things we've it. endured. That was the clip. I want to play this, actually. <laughs> I have that clip here. Sorry. Before we go, we have to play this. This was uh, just in the wake of uh, the 5-0 defeat to Manchester City, which was our yeah. third successive defeat of the season. (laughs) And we have this little clip from that episode where you're not having it. So let me just play this. If we're we're still bottom after like six games, okay, fine. But it's three games. It is only three games. Uh, Have you got a, you said you had a question about Bernd Leno. So let's, let's do that. Uh, I don't think it's worth it. Honestly, I don't. I think we've sort of covered it, haven't we? The Bernd Leno no, just everything. I think, like, it seems mad to now be like, oh, what about Bernd Leno? Bernd Leno doesn't matter. <laughs> Have you talked yourself into an uh, existential crisis here? No, not at all. I, I just feel like it seems weird to go back to my new show. It's sort of like, oh, yeah, Bernd Leno. Could he have done better? I, I don't really care about that very much. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah, well, somebody put the Gilbert Golf- Godfrey uh, signal up. But you know what? <laughs> I listened back to that um, in preparation for this, that little period. Yeah. And uh, it is, it is that, that one is fascinating listening because at that time, people were absolutely like, this manager's on the brink here. You know, he's, mm. he's got to go. This, is, this project is doomed. Why have we signed the players we've signed? What's happening? Um, and I was sort of like, look, <laughs> let's give it a bit more time. And so I, I take a little bit of sort of, uh, what's the word? Damn you. I take a little bit of pride in that. Yeah, you and your reasonableness. Yeah, yeah I know, right? <laughs> I know. And I'm not very good at this football podcasting thing. You're supposed to be reactionary and, you know, vacillate yeah. and uh, swing with the swing with the results. Yeah. But, I don't know, man. We've we've been doing this such a long time, you know. You, you, it's almost you like you've developed the uh, you know the strength of your own convictions. How dare you? Mm, <laughs> mm, I know. I got so much stick as well. I got so much. Like I remember. If yeah, you yeah. the YouTube uh, link to that episode, the comments. I'm like, oh my god, I, I get absolute pelters. I mean, that does happen time to time as well. Um, but hey, that's football, isn't it? That is football. Like, and I'm sure every single one of those people who are giving you pelters in the comments, you know, reached out afterwards and said, James, you know what? I was wrong. You you had it spot on there. Listen, there is some <laughs> a way they can <laughs> make it up to me. Um, there's a few things. They can uh, click on my forthcoming feature about the Royal Rumble and subscribe to The Athletic. That would uh, obviously help. <laughs> Uh, and when the time eventually comes, if they buy enough Let's Do This merch to dress themselves from head to toe, 
then we can call it quits, guys. Okay? Fair enough. Fair enough. Keep your ears to the air, you guys out there, for the Les Dudis merchandise. (laughs) Ears to the skies, guys. Ears to the skies. Um, All right. Well, look, can I just... um, finish this off by saying uh, thank you to everyone listening um not just for the 10 years but for today if you've indulged us all the way through with some of these clips and all the rest thank you uh, so much but mm-hmm. genuinely thank you um for being with us throughout these 10 years it's been a a lot of fun there's been a lot of ups and downs um and a lot of bad results and quite a lot of bad football but this as a thing to do has been so much fun and so enjoyable, um, you know, online in the real world. Um, it remains that I hope it remains that it's, uh, you know, it's brilliant to, to do this with you. So thank you, uh, James, for the, for the last 10 years as well. It's just, you know, it is mad how just like a, a quick two or three line email can, you know, have such a big impact on your life for so many years, isn't it? Well, I need to thank you as well, Andrew, for asking me. You know, there's a lot of Arsenal fans in the world. Um, many of them have the internet. Uh, <laughs> and they are the criteria that I appear to qualify for. So I'm very lucky. Um, and, yeah, really appreciate it. It's been such a journey. And, like, you know, I, I feel like it'll be – I feel like almost whatever I do in my life, I will never reach as many people. And, you know, that, that is who I will be to most people. Sure. The guy who's like the, the, the other guy on the Askcast Extra. And I'm very happy with that. I'm very happy with that. So thank you very much. My pleasure. It has been a genuine pleasure. It is crazy. And I also I want to thank people like uh, Andrew Allen and Tayo who've stepped in for me when I've been, I don't know, in America watching wrestling or having a baby or dressing up for a living, all these things, Um, because they've obviously been part of the show as well and been brilliant. Um, But, yeah, mad, 10 years. I remember, you know, you spoke about Ian Wright listening to the show. I remember John Ronson. um, Yeah. I think it was John Ronson once recommended it in his sort of Guardian, uh, you know, that he did one of those interviews where it's like, what is your media that you Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, maybe I should look and see if I can find it. But I'll always remember that he spoke about it as like, uh, yeah, he spoke about it as if like we, we were sort of a bit like the two characters from Waiting for Godot, you know, some sort of <laughs> Beckettian existential drama where we're sort of trapped here in this perpetual cycle of podcasts, and disappointment <laughs> and podcasts. Yeah. And it was, you know, typically poetic from John, but I think it's sort of true. Yeah. Uh, and, and I find it very funny <laughs> to think that, you know, for another, hopefully for another 10 years, hopefully for longer, um, we will still be here. Uh, yeah. Fingers uh, crossed. And here's, here's to the next 10 years. Here's to the next That's 10 years. We get that far. Exactly. Uh, good health and uh, all the rest to, to everybody listening. And thank you again. Um, we We'll have another Arscast Extra for you this week, uh, you know, as as part of um, the 10-year thing. We will be here on Wednesday after the Forest game to actually talk about some football and stuff like that. But hopefully, hopefully this episode gets you through this sort of period without Arsenal. We'll preview the Nottingham Forest game over on Patreon tomorrow afternoon. So join us for that, patreon.com 
forward slash arseblog. For now, we will leave you with a couple of musical numbers. Fuck Magpies Forever, of course, will take us out. And then there is a techno bye-bye from James because you cannot have an Arsecast Extra ending without a bye-bye from James, apart from the one where you said fuck off, but we couldn't find it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. So enjoy those guys. Thank you for listening for 10 years. Mad. Some of you probably have been listening since the beginning absolutely insane but uh yeah thanks lots of love and bye bye not fuck off yeah i can fuck off as well yeah Yeah, i want to thank johnny who's at fruit all sorts on twitter who wrote these lyrics and sent them in and i want to thank a youtube channel called carto guitar from which i stole the backing track as i walk these streets alone through this baracle home down my spine i feel a shiver there should be more hens on the river Through the turnstiles of the angel I think I'm safe at last But I hear the wings are beating And they're beating fucking fast Seek refuge in all the buildings And the offie on the corner My knowledge is the logical And the prefix is awning A wren, a hawk, a blue tit A watching from the side Seeking solace from their sorrows Sheltering in a bird hide Through the madness in the market People looking to the skies Watch what you are doing Cos they'll Peck out your eyes Little Rosie approaches one She doesn't have a clue That his heart is as black As his feathers and his shoes Down towards the Emirates I spot a ticket out Try giving him a warning By shouting Mate watch out From the Thornhill to the Hemi I know what the people lack Everyone will be running scared Unless they've got some magpie facts Fuck magpies forever Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.